That's pretty pathetic. Good morning. All right. Hey, welcome to Grace Bible Church. Uh, grab your Bibles at this time and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter is where we're going to be. 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we are going to be this morning. Uh, if you don't have your own Bible, there should be some pew Bibles scattered in the pew backs in front of you. Feel free to grab that and turn with me to page 982 is where you will find 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you don't have access to either of those, most of the text should be up on the screen. We will be in 1 Peter 5, and we'll, we will be looking at verses 6 and 7 this morning as we conclude our five-week sermon series called Why Worry. Uh, we have been exploring the subject of worry. We've been looking at some reasons why not to worry. We've been looking at some consequences of our worry, and we have looked at, uh, for a couple weeks now, what we should do when we worry. That is, how can we fight worry? Last week, we looked at how we can win against worry from Philippians chapter 4, and this morning, uh, my sermon is entitled, Care Casting. That is, how we can win against worry by casting our cares upon the Lord. So hopefully you're there. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 is where we will be, and uh, I trust that you're there. So let's pray, and then we'll dive right into this most marvelous of texts. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much for the morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege of life and breath. We recognize that by your powerful hand, you uphold the heavens and the earth, and every breath that we take is, uh, is a gift from you. And we're so very grateful for the life that you've given us, the breath that we have, the family that we have, the friendships that we have. And most significantly, we are so very grateful that you have given us more than physical life, that you have offered to us spiritual life, that you have offered us eternal life, and that you have offered us real, significant life that is knowing you as our Heavenly Father and knowing your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior and as our Lord and as our King and as our friend. Father, we ask that you would be among us this morning as we wrap up this sermon series. We're, we're very grateful for what you've taught us about worry, as many of us, uh, whether uh, with great worries or small concerns, we struggle with this area of worry, and you have much to say, and you've had much to say that has been helpful. And so I pray as we look at this very last text in First Peter that you would speak. This is indeed your holy word. It's without error and without blemish, and it's powerful to speak into our hearts and to our lives and to change us. And so, Father, help us. Help us to humble ourselves, as this word says, in the midst of circumstances that can be oftentimes overwhelming and cause anxiety and fear. Help us to, to be humbled by them and to be driven to not bear the weight of our fears and our anxieties ourselves, but to cast them upon you, because your word says that you care for us. What a wonderful thing that you love us and that you care for us and that you've sent your son to die for our sins and to be resurrected from the dead so that we might know you and have life eternal and abundant here. And so thank you for that. We pray for your blessing. We pray for those who will be hearing that they would have eyes to see and ears to hear and minds that are attentive. And I pray that you would be with me, that I might speak words that are accurate, true, and helpful, and that you would be honored and glorified in all that we do. And so we do love you. We praise you. We thank you for your son. And it is in his great name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. You know, oftentimes in the midst of our lives, we can face circumstances that can become potential for worry. That is, things happen to us in our life, uh, whether that be from within or from without, things happen, and it can be great concern and great cause for worry. It can make us anxious. There are things that happen that oftentimes drive us to worry. One of those circumstances happened to me over the holiday weekend, and I'd like to share 
a little bit about it with you briefly. It was one of those uh, wor- potentially worrisome events. It's, it's, it's something that happened to me that could have been a great cause for, for fear and anxiety, and if I were honest, for a few hours at least, it was. And so I'd like to share with you a little bit about what happened to me. I was uh, in Arkansas with my wife's family, Uh, over the past uh, week, over the weekend, and we, as we normally do when we have free babysitters, that is grandma and grandpa, we leave the kids with them and we go see a movie. It's one of the things that I really enjoy um, doing over the holiday season. Grandma and grandpa, thank you very much for that. And so uh, my wife and I and her sister and her husband, we we go off on a little date and we go to the movies. Uh, Now we went to go see the new James Bond film and I was pretty excited about that. Um, And so we were enjoying the movie and we were probably a good three-fourths of the way through the movie when I hear, or actually rather I feel, a little buzz go off on my hip. I normally don't take my phone in, but I thought, you know, grandma and grandpa have the kids. They may need to get a hold of us, so of course I had it on silent. But it buzzed me, and I thought, I'll, I'll check that. Maybe it's grandma and grandpa. And so I pull my, my cell phone out of my, uh, out of my pocket here, and, and I noticed the first thing was a number that I, I, didn't, I didn't know. It was 815-488, a few other numbers. I didn't have it in my phone, and I, and I, didn't, know, I didn't know them. And so I thought, that's odd. And so I clicked the button to read the text, and I'll read the text to you. It was initially, and for an hour or two, a cause for great concern and anxiety in my household. It said this, I hid the body, dude. No one will know. Keep it on the DL. <laughs> and so, you know, my initial thought was, I don't know anybody who would kill somebody and hide the body. I hope none of you would kill somebody and hide the body. And my second thought was, this is a prank, you know. Obviously, this is a prank. And so I wasn't too concerned, and I slipped it back into my pocket. But then I got a second text, and they misspelled the word no, K-N-O-W. No one will know. And then they sent me a, a respelling. So I got a second text, and I looked at it, and then they spelled it wrong again, which made me think it's probably a, a, you know, a farce. But I thought, maybe I should show my wife. And so I, she's sitting to my left, and I said, honey, look, you know, look at this text message. And she read it, and of course she was very fearful. She was very concerned. And I said, you know, we're whispering here during the Bond movie. What should I do about it? You know, what should I do? And she said, you need to call the police. I said, I don't want to call the police. What if it's for, and this is ongoing as we're watching the Bond. What if it's, what if it's real? Well, I don't know. What should I, maybe it's, so, so I step out, and to make a long story short, I step out, and I do a reverse white page, right? I want to know where this is from. And it says it's like northern Chicago suburbs. And I'm like, well, Okay, I don't, you know, so I come back in, and she's like, what are you going to do? I don't know. Let's just wait till the movie's done. And so we wait for the movie to finish. But at that point, the movie is completely ruined, and, I, and I'm completely oblivious to anything that's happening in this wonderful James Bond film because I'm anxious, and I'm worried about somebody has my phone number, and they think that I'm concerned about knowing where a dead body is, you know? And so, you know, <laughs> and so the movie's over, and I show it to my, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, and they're like, yeah, that's a, that's a fake. You know, that's just a hoax. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I think. And Shelly's like, but what if it's not? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What if does the, the police need, you know, so long story short, we decide that it would be the, the, the good and right thing to do 
My civic duty is to call the police. And so I'm like, well, which police do I call? Do I call the Arkansas police or the Iroquois County police or the police where the the phone call originated from, the text message originated from? And so I decide to call Iroquois County police. So this is the night before Thanksgiving, and I'm on the phone about 1030. Hello? Yes, Iroquois uh, County police. I'd like to report a text message about somebody who said they, they dumped a body, okay? And he's like, well, are you being badgered? No, I just got two text messages, but, you know, it was one text message. Well, do you know? No, I don't know the number. Well, what should I do? Well, there's really nothing we can do, but I'll send a policeman out to your house. Well, wait a minute. I'm not here. I, I can't, oh, you're not here? No, I'm not in Illinois. I'm in Arkansas. Well, you need to call the local police there. Click. Okay, so now I'm like, okay, what should I do? I, so I call the Harrison police. And he's like, yeah, there's not much you can do unless you feel like you're being badgered, and then we can look into it. But it's probably a farce. And I said, yeah, okay. And so I I feel comfortable and at ease that I've done my civic duty, and I hang up the phone, and I'm ready to go to bed. And so we have further conversations. I report to the household what has happened, because everybody's very interested, of course, at this point. And, And then my wife says, well, well, okay, but what if it is for real, and they have your phone number? Does that mean they can find our address? Does that mean they can find where we live and, and who we are and where you work? And I said, what? Well, I don't know. <laughs> and so she's like, you need to call and ask. And so I get on the phone with, hello, Iroquois. Yeah, I just called about the text message, and I've got a concern. <laughs> is there any way that they can find out my, my information? No, they say, no, that's really not a concern. They said, no, you can't do that. So finally, after about an hour's worth of conversation and some anxiety and some worry about this circumstance, we put it to bed and considered it a farce, and I have not gotten any text messages after that. Now, I want to say, if this is your number, I'm not pleased with you. And I want to say, if you're getting any bright ideas, don't, okay? Just don't. The point of the story is that there are circumstances in our life, there are things that come into our life that can potentially cause us great worry and great concern. There are things that happen that make us anxious. So what are we supposed to do about those circumstances? How are we supposed to handle them? Uh, A couple things that we're going to see out of 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's turn there now, and let's read these two verses. I think they're most helpful. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, and find out what we're supposed to do with potentially worrisome circumstances. How are we to handle them? Well, Peter tells us in verses 6 and 7, and let's, let's read this together. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may exalt you, in due time. Verse 7, cast, cast all of your anxieties. Your translation may say cares. Cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And that is the reading of God's holy word. And so what I want to do this morning is, first of all, I want to see in verse 6 a cause for cares. What we see in verse 6 is that there are circumstances, there are things that come into our life in which God may intend, he may bring about, he may have reasons or causes for allowing potentially worrisome circumstances to come into our lives. There may be a variety of reasons, but quite clearly one of the reasons, one of the causes that he allows things to come into our life that may cause us to be anxious or to to worry is is this. He says, verse 6, humble yourself. 
I'm bringing these things into your life so that you might humble yourself under my mighty hand. Now just remember a little bit about the context here. We did a short sermon series in 1 Peter, and if you recall, Peter is writing to Christians who are suffering persecution. They're getting it for their faith. Uh, Maybe they're losing their jobs. Maybe they're being uh, disowned by their family. Maybe even for some of them, they're being rounded up, brought to Rome to be tortured and executed by a crazy emperor named Nero. So all of that to say, Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are under some circumstances that most certainly, I think if we were in their place, could potentially cause them to be anxious, could potentially cause them to worry and to be fearful. And so to these potentially worried, potentially anxious, potentially fearful Christians, he says, listen, God is bringing these circumstances into your life for this reason. You need to humble yourself. You need to humble yourself under God's mighty hand so that eventually, whether in this life or in the next life, he will lift you up. He'll bring you out of those circumstances. But Notice the idea of humility. Quite literally, it's, it's a passive command. It, it, it really reads something like this. Allow yourself to be humbled. That is, when circumstances come your way and, and you're, you're anxious and you want to, to be afraid and you want to worry, he says, instead, you need to allow those circumstances to humble you. That is, to drive you to rely upon God and not to rely upon yourself. He says, allow them to humble you to the point to where you cry out to God, God, I'm fearful and I'm worried and I'm not big enough to handle this instead of being proud, which is the opposite of humility. So he says, listen, you can handle this, these circumstances one of two ways. You can be proud which is the opposite of being humble. You can be proud and you can rely upon yourself. You cannot cast your anxieties upon me, but you can bear them yourself. You can try to figure them out yourself and take all of the weight and all of the burden on your shoulders. Or you can choose to be humbled by these circumstances. And as we see, part of being humbled is to cast those cares upon God. It's something that I just noticed and and thought about this week, and and that's simply this, is that worry is a form of pride. Have you ever thought about that before? It it just struck me this week, that when we worry, when we're anxious, it is a form of pride, because what we're doing is we're saying, God, I can handle this. God, I can think about it enough. I can be concerned about it enough. I can chew on it in my mind enough that I can can handle it on my own. I don't need your intervention. I don't need your sovereign help, God. What a wonderful thing. What a marvelous insight here. He says, humble yourself. Allow these circumstances to drive you to me. Uh, One commentator by the name of Deffenball says it this way, and I think he's exactly right. He says, what we worry and fret about is what we don't wish to commit to him because we trust ourselves more than we trust God. And so I want to ask you this morning, are there circumstances that are in your life, things that are happening to you, things that maybe you are doing or things that are happening to you, there are circumstances, much like these first Christians, there are things that are going on that are causing you anxiety. Are there things happening at work, things happening in your home, things happening with your kids that are potentially worrisome circumstances that may drive you to fear and anxiety? If there are, as there are in most every life here, 
then what should we do about it? Are we handling it with humility or with pride? Are you allowing those circumstances to drive you to God or to drive you to worry, to drive you to fear, or to drive you to humility? What I'd like to do is this. I, hopefully all of you had been given note cards. You have note cards? What I'd like for you to do is just to take a quick minute. We've been talking about worry and anxiety and fear for about five weeks now. Certainly there are things in your life, there are fears, anxieties, and worries that you have, whether large or small. What I'd like for you to do is to take that note card and just take a minute and jot those down. Maybe a top three list, a top three worry list, a top three concern list. And as you're doing that, I want you to consider how it is that you are handling those. Are you allowing them to humble you, to drive you to God, or are you pridefully worrying and trying to handle them yourself? Just take a quick minute, jot those down, and then hold on to them because we'll use them later in the service. I'm going to let you go ahead and wrap that up. You can keep writing if you're still writing. What we've seen in verse 6 is a cause for care. Why does God allow potentially worrisome circumstances into your life? There may be a variety of reasons, but certainly one of the purposes, one of the causes is to humble us and to drive us to trust in him. So if that's the cause, what's, what's the cure? I mean, what do we do with these circumstances Another way to ask it is, how do we humble ourselves? What does it look like to humble ourselves before God in circumstances that may cause us to be anxious? Well, what we see in verse 7 is a cure for causes. And in verse 7, what we learn is how to express that humility. It, it, how, how do we do it? Well, he says this. He says, we express our humility in worrisome circumstances by casting our cares upon the Lord. Let's, let's read again verse 7. Notice what he says. He says, cast all, cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. In the NIV, it sounds like a separate command. It sounds like he's saying you need to humble yourself and then you need to cast all your cares upon the Lord. But, but literally, there's a link here and the link is how we do it. He says you need to humble yourself before the Lord and how you do that is by casting your cares upon him. It's a participle, casting your cares upon him. That's how we humble ourselves. That's how we humble ourselves under God's mighty hands in these circumstances is we cast all of our cares upon the Lord instead of worry. You know, the story is told in the, the days of old where there uh, were country stores, small country stores that would have a, a wide variety of things. And the story is, of to is told of a young boy. And the young boy used to love to go to the country store with his mom. He enjoyed it so much, he always made sure that he went with her. And so the day came when it was time to go to the store. And the boy accompanied his mom to the store. And as he go went to the store, the storekeeper, as usual, made him a, a generous offer 
offer. The storekeeper would always say, son, here's a bag of candy. Take a handful of it. Just take a handful of it. And his mom was always curious about how the boy responded because the boy never would do it. The boy would never, would never stick his hand into the, to the bag of candy to take as much as he possibly could. And, and, and the same was true in this circumstance. And so he refused to do that. And as normal, the storekeeper would reach his hand into the box of candy and give him a handful of candy. Now on the way home, the the mother just couldn't help but being curious. And she asked the boy, son, let me ask you a question. Why is it that you never stick your hand in to take a, a handful of candy when the storekeeper asks you to do that? And he gave a simple answer. The boy said, well, because his hands are bigger than mine. Because his hands are bigger than mine. You know, this is what Peter is saying. In the same way, he says, because God's mighty hands are, are bigger than our hands, they're more capable than our hands, then we should, as Peter says, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and allow him to bear the weight and the responsibility, ultimately, of our anxieties. Notice notice what he says, cast. He uses this word, which literally means to throw something. That's the word used. He says, cast all of your anxiety. Now, literally, it means to to throw something. And when you look, it's only used twice in the whole New Testament. The first time it's used is in the Gospel of Luke, I believe. And if you remember the story, it's the triumphal entry. It's when Jesus is entering into uh, the city of Jerusalem and the crowd kind of spontaneously gathers to anoint him as king. And there is a, there is a young donkey, a young colt, in which Jesus is to sit upon. And so the disciples get that. And then do you remember what they do? Do you remember what they do before Jesus sits on the donkey? What do they do? They take their garments, their, their coats, and they what? They cast it. They cast it upon the beast of burden so that in a sense, they're not bearing the weight of their clothes, but the beast of burden is bearing the weight of their clothing. They're casting that upon the beast of toil. But of course here, it's, it's not literally. We're not, we can't take our cares literally and throw them at God. But no, it's, it's speaking of a transfer. It's speaking of a transfer. We are transferring the responsibility ultimately to God. We're taking the weight and the concern of our cares and our problems and the circumstances in our life. And, it, and it's like they're on our back and we are casting them, throwing them upon the mighty hands of God. That's what he's saying. So why can we do that? I mean, why can we take the burdens, the responsibility ultimately of dealing with these issues? Why can we cast them? Why should we cast them upon God? Well, Peter tells us with the word because. It's, it's the reason. Why, why should we cast our anxieties upon, upon him? Because what? What does it say, church? Because he cares. Because he cares for you. What a marvelous thing. We can take our burdens and ultimately leave them on God's strong back in his capable hands. Ultimately, because we know he cares about us. Because he's interested in our lives. Literally, in the Greek, it's something like this. Cast all of your anxiety upon him. For to him, for to him, it is a care concerning you. For to him, it is a care concerning you. 
what this text is really saying is that, you know those anxieties that you have? You know those things that you just wrote down on your piece of paper? The cares, the fears, the anxieties? You know those things that you listed? All of those things, literally, you can take all of those and you can cast them upon God because God not only cares about you as a person, which is true, but the emphasis on this text is that all of those things God cares about those things. It's a marvelous truth. He's saying the things that you are concerned about, the things that make you worried, the things that keep you up at night, the things that maybe cause ulcers in your stomach, those circumstances, he doesn't just care about you. He cares about those. He cares about that circumstance. He cares about that particular worry. One paraphrase by uh, J.B. Phillips puts it this way, and I think he captures it well. Phillips paraphrases it like this. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him for you are his special concern. What a marvelous truth about who God is. And so I want to now spend a few minutes asking a practical question. How do we do this? How can we practically cast all of our concerns, cast our worries upon him? Well, I ran across in a book that, that was very helpful. It's by Dr. Meyer and Dr. Hawkins. And they have written a book called Worry-Free Living. Worry-Free Living. And they suggest five things. Actually, yeah, five things. And then I will suggest six things. So if you're looking for application points, jot these down. How can we maybe practically do that? Here are just a few suggestions. Uh, number one, they suggest that we meditate daily upon the word that we meditate, that is, chew the cud on the word of God. They, they write this, it is powerful, that is God's word, it is powerful and it will renew and protect your mind. One of the best things that I do, uh, that I have done, and as I've confessed to you before, this is an area of struggle for me. I worry and I, I, I struggle with worry. One of the best things that I can do is I keep in my mind, I used to keep them on a note card, but I keep them in my mind, one or two or maybe three key verses. And I would suggest some of the verses that maybe we've even studied in this particular sermon series. Philippians chapter four is a wonderful one. This one in First Peter is excellent. Uh, there are others. Uh, Matthew chapter six, the Sermon on the Mount. Keep those either in your mind or on a note card so that when you begin to worry, you pull out the truth of God's word, and you remember the wonderful promises to help you fight worry. Uh, Secondly, they say you should condition yourself to relax. You should condition yourself to relax. Quote, choose a phrase or scripture to repeat to yourself when you start to worry or, or you start to feel anxious and let it encourage you and relax you, which is exactly what I just suggested. Uh, Number three, they say talk through your problems. Talk through your problems. They say worries expand to giant problems when they are left in your imaginations. Those of you who are worriers, isn't that the truth? Isn't that true that our worries expand into giant problems when they are left in our mind and they become greater and greater and larger and larger? They say they need to be exposed and then whittled down to size. One of the things that I find most helpful when I start to get anxious or worry is I call someone I trust. I call someone I know can help me, can encourage me, can give me a dose of reality about the situation. It's usually my wife, although not oftentimes. Talk to someone. 
talk to someone about your cares and your concerns, and it most likely will help. Number four, they say you can try limiting your worry time, limiting your, quote, worry time. I don't think they're endorsing worry, but what they're saying is this. Set aside 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, however long you want, five minutes a day, to think about the areas that then turn into worry. Jot them down on a card when you begin to be anxious or concerned about them so that you can then come back to them later. You can devote your total attention to them. And they say, by the time that you get to them later in the day, the problems may have well shrunk in importance. I think that's a helpful idea. Instead of worrying at that moment, jot it down, make a list, and then concretely think, pray, and hopefully not worry about it. Number five, they say get help from others. Get help from others, which is similar to talking through your problem. Oftentimes, they say a friend has wisdom from experience or scripture that will encourage or enlighten you. How often it's been for me that I've come home and I've talked to my wife and she has helped me recategorize, helped me re-envision the problem or the, the issue that I'm concerned with and she gives me helpful perspective. And so talk to someone and get help from others. And then lastly, this is not from them, but I would add this. Number six, I think, quite frankly, exercise is very helpful for those of us who worry. Um, what I have found is that it's, it's essentially our body's natural way of de-stressing, of not worrying. And so if you're prone to worry early in the morning, maybe you should go for a run or a walk or lift weights or whatever you do for exercise, a bike ride. Maybe start your day that way and allow your body to naturally kind of stress relieve you. Uh, I don't know if this is something that you could do, but something that I enjoy doing. On particularly stressful days, if there's a particular care or concern, what I would like to do is I like to go exercise, not only to kind of burn off some of my energy, but as I'm exercising, I'll pray about it. And so hopefully often you'll find me at Creekside swimming laps in the pool, and it's not just because I need to lose, you know, a few extra holiday pounds, which I do, but oftentimes I'll go there to de-stress, to swim, and as I'm swimming— my body is working, but also I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm talking to God. I'm thinking about Scripture. And that is so incredibly helpful as I cast my cares upon the Lord. And so as we wrap up this morning, I want to I share a story. I'd like to share a story from the great English pastor of one century ago, the great Charles Spurgeon. He tells this story in one of his books, and I'd like to read it to you at length. He says this, I heard, a, I, heard, I heard of a man who was walking along the high road with a pack on his back. He was growing weary and was therefore glad when a gentleman came along in a carriage and asked to take a seat with him, of course, before the days of cars. The gentleman noticed that he kept his pack strapped to his shoulders. And so he said, why do you not put your pack down? Why, sir, said the traveler, I I do not venture to impose on you. It was very kind of you to pick me up. And of course, I could not expect you to carry my pack as well. Why, said the friend, do you not see that whether your pack is on your back or on your back, I have to carry it? And then he concludes by saying this, speaking to us, my, my friends, my hearers, it is so with your trouble. Whether you worry or do not worry, it is the Lord who must carry you. And so this morning, we're going to close our service by doing a couple activities. First of all, I'm going to invite you to participate in communion. Uh, what we do is that we partake of the elements here. We take a piece of bread and we dip it into the juice and we eat it. And by doing so, we're reminded that 
Christ physically, bodily died for us, that his body was torn into pieces as the bread was torn into pieces and that his blood was spilt. And so I invite you to take that. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you have personally received that by faith and by faith alone, then I invite you to come and partake in that. And if you've never done that, maybe today's the day that you do that. We've been talking about casting our cares upon the Lord, and we've been talking about a transfer, that we give our cares and our anxieties to the Lord. It's a transfer. But I want to let you know that before you can truly do that, before you can truly cast your cares upon the Lord, there has to be another transfer. There has to be another kind of transfer, and that's this. You have to transfer the weight of your sin onto the back of one who can carry it. The Bible says that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, that the sins that we have, that we should bear the weight of God's wrath for, we give it to him. It's called the great exchange. We take God's, our sin and God's wrath against it, and we place it, we transfer it on the capable back of Jesus Christ. And so if you've never done that personally, then I invite you to do that right now. Come talk to me before you take communion, and today will be the day that you can take communion as a believer in Christ. So we're gonna do that. We're gonna throw some music on. But this is what I'd like for you to do. After you come forward and take communion, I want you to take your note card. You've written down your concerns. You've written down your cares and your worries. And what I'd like for you to do is symbolically Cast your cares upon the Lord. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do some care casting. After you partake of the elements, what I invite you to do is come up to the altar, to the stage, anywhere you want, and you can throw, you can cast your notebook paper in whatever way you want. So if you want to make paper planes, and if you want to throw it onto the stage, symbolic of of God's presence and his capability, then you can do that. If you want to lay it on the stage, then you can do that. If you want to crumble it up and throw it, That's legitimate too. But take some time, consider that, and remember that we can cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. So let's pray. I'm gonna start us with a time of prayer. And as you're ready, you come forward. You take communion if you're a believer, and then we all can cast our cares upon the Lord.